Hello and welcome to But Where Are You From? A podcast by BC, Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network. Hello, we are your host today. I am Amy and please can my co-host introduce herself. <laughs> and I'm Carly. So Carly, long time no hear from you. Where have you been? <laughs> what have you been up to? I know I haven't seen you in ages. No. Uh, what have I been up to? So it, Lunar New Year has just passed and I have to admit it's been rather exciting on my end. Your manifesting powers are honestly a sight to behold. It cannot compare. You have managed to manifest over the past, what, a year? Has it been <laughs> as long as that? Yeah, um, yeah. For me to move to London, and at the moment, I am temporarily based in London for the next month or so. I've been here already for about a month, right? So mm-hmm. Lunar New Year has um, started off very well, very auspiciously, very promisingly. Um, but I did head back home for about a week um, to have a massive feast, which was absolutely incredible um and then I went away for a couple of days uh abroad and that was my lunar new year how was yours Amy well that sounds pretty excited I want to hear about all the food or your hashtag EC Eats to be honest <laughs> uh but we could go into that um yeah mine was really great I obviously hung out with you it was <laughs> a really brilliant event um which was in Deptford mm. and it was hosted by the have you eaten yet collective and it was just, I didn't know what to expect. I don't know about you, Carly, but I wasn't expecting such a variety of performances. So mm-hmm. it was performance art. I would say maybe I'm describing it incorrectly, but there was three or four different types of performances. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was rap, there was a DJ set, there was contemporary dance. There was this audio visual sort of beast feast of so many things and it was a lot to absorb and I can't really describe it properly I feel like it's something that you had to be there so I recommend everyone follow Have You Eaten Yet Collective which will put their handle in the description but it was just really validating space I think they talked a lot about what's been happening in the past couple of years and in other ways although they talked about the difficulties it was also really joyful like they made it quite powerful as well. So yeah, I really appreciated that. And for me, Lunar New Year's always been about spending with family. I never went out. It was just something that was quite low key in my house. We just have food and my mum would burn incense and that was kind of it. So it's rare for me to head out and do something that's community hosted. And I think I'm going to do it a lot more because it felt really nice to meet people I think, and discover other ways that people celebrate. How did you find it, Carly? Yeah, definitely. I mean, likewise, only really celebrating with family because, you know, back in Glasgow, apart from seeing the lion dances at Chinese school, that was really it. You didn't really celebrate with, well, I didn't have many Chinese friends at the time. So this year for us to go to um, the Have You Eaten Yet Collective event in Deptford, which was, um, I believe, done in partnership with Vietnamese family partnerships, um, that was really special to almost have a different side of Lunar New Year where it was more friends or um, in a way casual and celebratory so for me I really enjoyed the atmosphere that uh, was at the event and you know just hanging out with you getting far as well (laughs) and 
and yeah, seeing some really memorable performances because I guess I've never really seen uh, performances that have drawn on you know EC heritage and specifically Lunar New Year. So it was it was for me um, incredible to see a performance that incorporated Cantonese and um, to incorporate aspects of um, Chinese tradition celebrated during Lunar New Year. Um, oh, Amy, didn't you also host the red envelope making at the Hackney Chinese Community Centre? I did, together with our BC core member, King Wei. Uh, so yeah, we went to Hackney Chinese Community Centre and bought a bunch of envelopes, glitter and stickers and chocolate coins and just promoed BC really and had an opportunity to meet loads of other makers and watch a line dance and Jenny, Jenny Lau Celestial Peach hosted this incredible potluck and yeah I know because I always used to be so envious when I used to watch uh, the stories or when people posted about it so I could finally go to one and it was amazing it was amazing I had a mountain of food which was kind of embarrassing because I was getting food for my partner and my child but it looked <laughs> like I was being really greedy so I went up and I had a plate that was piled so high and people staring at me going she's not a team player she's greedy that one and I was like no it's for my whole family <laughs> um, it was really delicious it was amazing and also tried pandan blondies pandan berry blondies have you ever had that oh no I haven't please do share yeah so there's a chef called eat with spoons and they make incredible sort of ec flavored desserts and I've been eyeing these up on Instagram for ages and oh my goodness they were off the chain it was amazing I won't lie I'm a bit kind of salivating a little bit <laughs> but Carly I also wanted to ask you mm-hmm. along the theme of our guests for this week's episode mm-hmm. someone who is a well they're an artist really um being an artist myself did you enjoy my little dance performance at the Deptford Collective <laughs> evening when they pulled me up for a dance do you think I have a future in performance art oh undoubtedly I think just in the way you leapt up to participate when you were invited to join the stage and the movement in your hands and your arms, even to your fingers, like, Amy, you're a natural. I think, you know, you're not just an artist, but a visionary in the field. So I think, yes, I think in in line with um, our guest today, I think you should consider yourself an interdisciplinary artist that (laughs) spans across various mediums and extremely multi-talented yes thank you Carly and thank you for not saving me when I was looking at you pleadingly trying to get you to not make me go up Carly was just sat there I was like holding on to her and you were like go 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 and I was like I had a very important task of documenting this major uh, performance, uh, this inaugural performance by Amy Fung. So um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, ignoring uh, you that you wanted to be saved as such. I think um, I was encouraging the moment. Thank you, Carly. Thank you. <laughs> of course, you could tell we're joking. I'm nowhere near as good as our guest today at any kind of performance or artistry. But yes, would you like to introduce them, Carly? Yes. So we have an extremely talented and exciting guest on our podcast today. We have the Mollusk Dimension. 
So the most I mentioned is a 42-year-old British-born Chinese queer, trans-masked, non-binary, interdisciplinary artist. His song, Asians Have Feelings Too, expresses his experience as a queer trans BC and also sends powerful messages around hashtag stop Asian hate and mental health for all. Amazingly, the video and live show creative and production teams consist mainly of EC, Asian, BIPOC, and LGBTQIA plus people. So we hope you enjoy our chat with Squid. squid how are you i'm good thanks good to hear so i guess we'll just start off then so the main question is but where are you from i'm laughing so much um you know thinking about this question because um i it's a chat up line that like cishet men use on like non-cishet men Mm. and i just haven't been asked that question for so long like for like five years which just really just shows that it was like basically this like chat up line. Um, so it's, 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 I really don't miss it. But I know that you're not trying to chat me up. So <laughs> I will tell you the truth, which is I am from the Mollusk Dimension, a wonderful place where creative things happen. <laughs> but, uh, but what? No, no. I mean, I can, uh, I'm, I'm happy to, now that I've done my kind of um, ranty ramble. Um, I'm, I'm happy to like share further. Uh, so my dad was born in Hong Kong and my mum was born in China uh, in Gong Sei. I have to get it right. I always say Gong Dong. And, um, and she moved to Hong Kong when she was a baby. Um, not by herself. She's very determined, but she did need some help to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then like my parents... Um, like my dad basically wanted uh, a piano accompanist, like he was an amateur singer. So like he got lucky because he basically bagged a professional piano accompanist for his wife. Wow, wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he even said like, he when, when they moved to England in 1975, he said that he had deprived Hong Kong of one of their best piano accompanists. And, and she is like a really good accompanist. So. Um, so I was born in 1980 in Essex, in Epping, and so basically I'm an Essex boy, or Essex non-binary, which is a term that needs to happen, and like I, I have proof of this because I asked someone recently um, like about this wallpaper that I really like, I was like, do you think this is chic or do you think it's a bit Essex? And they were like, it's a bit Essex, so it's been proven <laughs> through wallpaper. How do you feel about this whole the only way is Essex thing that has really grown in the past years? Because I feel that it really influences people's idea of the place. I know that there are certain things like live, laugh, love and things like that, that usually gets attributed to, you know, being a really Essex thing. And then at the same time, I've been there and it's really beautiful. And, you know, that I've never been in towns or anything like that. But my idea personally of Essex is that it's actually um, not what you really see on the TV. So how do you feel about that kind of thing that came about? 
I should have researched that before, like coming on this podcast, because I don't really know what uh, the only way it um, is Essex is. Um, I guess I don't know that I, you know, being AFAB, I did grow up um, kind of aware of certain stereotypes, um, which, yeah, my friends and I kind of we didn't know how to dismantle them. So our way of dealing with it was to kind of joke about it. Um, but we were very aware of them and, you know, um, like things like slut shaming and like how people dress and behavior and things like that. Uh, but the irony of also is that I'm not white. So, but that also was like, that never came into our conversations. Um, so that's kind of like a reference point as well. And then I guess like with transitioning, I, I, I guess I'm, you know, because I'm read as a uh, male, um, then kind of thinking more about Essex man and Essex lad kind of like stereotypes there. Um, but you're right, it is actually really beautiful and uh, you're very welcome to come and visit. Like, I think BC could come and like have a picnic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because like, yeah, like outsiders often have like a great view because like a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, it's kind of like, he was being tactful, but I was like saying how I'd like to move and he was like saying yeah it's kind of it's a bit snobby your area and I didn't really think of that as a good word but I think it is a good word because um you know whether you're working class or not or whatever class like anyone can be snobby basically and I thought that was a great description yeah I I suppose obviously appreciate people in the show I'm not criticizing them and you know they're being who they are completely which is fine but I suppose what you said about you know you don't see people like you in the show maybe they could do with more diverse background I don't even know if it's still on to be honest but I would love to see people who are actually from Essex and aren't seen on the show actually feature so there you go I know that in Hollyoaks they've recently introduced a East Asian Southeast Asian cast member I know that Vera Chok who plays one of the characters is um, Chinese Malaysian and I don't know in the show if they're Chinese but I know that there's recently a Lunar New Year episode and I thought that was brilliant like it blew my mind. Definitely should have some NBS folks on TOWIE. We should definitely pitch that actually. Maybe we should uh, manifest it, manifest it into the world. Very good at that at BC, <laughs> manifesting. Um, but we know you as a musical genius. Queen. Yeah. let's getting back onto the topic uh could you tell us about your journey to musical greatness um (laughs) thank you so much um so i i thought i would share with you something that i haven't said um in public before so like so i don't don't know how you're going to take this because it's quite personal so basically when i was born um people were very surprised because I was born with this like this tiny piano. <laughs> I'm joking. I wasn't born with a tiny piano. But basically, my mum was pregnant with me when uh, she was accompanying choirs, and oh, that wasn't me farting. That was I'm sitting on this rotating chair, honestly, and it's like, it's very it's sort of orthopedic or something. I don't know what the word is. Um, I thought that was like, a that noise. Or it's not me farting. I s- promise. On my squiddy heart, don't call me squiddy, I'll get very angry. It's the only thing that I can say about myself. But yeah, so like I'm descended from two generations of um of musicians. And the reason why I like to emphasize that is because um, yeah, some people 
might think, oh, because my parents don't do that or no one I know in my family does something that I feel passionate about, that I can't make that my career. But uh, basically, my granddad rebelled against his um, dad uh, to be a musician, um, as did his brother, actually. And so my understanding is that my granddad then kind of severed uh, any chance of financial support, which obviously affected my grandma and, you know, my granddad and, and my mum's family. Um, so he, um, yeah, so he played in a restaurant. He was self-taught, yeah, he played in a restaurant, played piano, met my grandma. So it's kind of like quite romantic. And, um, and, and my mum was um, teaching when she was 15, like supporting her family. So it, it, it's really strange, like, you know, when, sometimes when I met people before and they, they've been, oh, you're a piano teacher, oh, that's so middle class. Um, I now admit that I have many aspects of being middle class for myself, but my parents, you know, the fact that she was supporting her family at 15, like doing this job, like, yeah, it's, it's quite a different thing, I think, for like BIPOC people. So like, yeah, so she taught me for a while and then I uh, joined Junior Guildhall School of Music and Drama on Saturdays. And, um, and then while I was like, you know, immersed in all this uh, virtuoso classical music stuff, um, I was like really into uh, alternative rock and metal and grunge. And um, even though they were really, you know, quite, um, they didn't approve of my music taste. And, and you know, we had like other kinds of issues. My parents didn't stop me going to gigs. So I went to loads of gigs when I was a teenager. And so I could re really experienced like a lot of live music. But I think the thing was, that it was I never saw myself up there on the stage. I, I was really drawn to it. And, you know, it's really good, I, you know, for my mental health, I think, you know, having that outlet. And, and one of the things that I think as well about being um, like AFAB, um, trans mask, and, and also EC, obviously, is like kind oh, of... Oh, sorry. Could you oh, explain what AFAB is? Sure. Okay. Uh, so assigned female at birth. And um, some, sometimes people have been taking issue with that term, I think, depending on the context it's used, because it could be seen as sort of like, because um, um, transphobic people um, have used it against trans feminine people. Um, I would argue, I think that context is really important, because in the same way, you know, if you say, oh, I'm queer, but then people could be like, well, um, you know what basically some people argue that not all AFAB people have exactly the same experience which I completely agree with but that you could also say not all EC people have the same experience not all queer people have the same experience not all lesbians and so on so like I'm but something that I find about having been AFAB for me is uh, I wasn't in a band at school um, and even in university I wasn't making music uh, well, that's not true. I wasn't making electronic music for people. I was, um, yeah, I was actually making music with, with the band, but um, I just didn't, my relationship to the cishet men that I have made music with is different to their cishet men friends. Um, and I'm just gonna like content note and mention of like sexual harassment. So like due to sexual harassment, like I feel that like I can't even ask my cishet men friends for help with tech uh, because I've been made to feel, not by the ones that I'm friends with now, obviously I've disconnected with, you know, people. Um, I, I feel like 
I can't exchange something within the same amount of time that that's how I've been made to feel. Like, so if they help me out for an hour, like I'll feel that I need to do something for three or four hours or longer, like what they want, like that there isn't knowledge that I can exchange within one hour. That's how I've been made to feel. Um, and so, for example, I bought a mic to, to use for today, but I, I couldn't figure out how to use it. And I'm just like giving it back. So what I would love, you know, to kind of find or, or maybe create in the future is like a cutie BIPOC, um, LGBTI, like trans inclusive, like electronic music support group. Because there are like quite a lot of groups, I think, which have a lot of like cishet men in them. And um, yeah, I don't think I feel that comfortable in them you know, because I think it does get political at times and yeah, things like that, basically. And I'm just gonna take a drink of water. Of course. I think that group sounds amazing. If, you know, please do start something up with that because I, I, I think there's something to be said where, you know, a lot of non cis men in this world have that sense of, um, you know, exchange inequality. I think that's something that's very prevalent, but very difficult to verbalize. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, I have, and also I think I find, you know, again, I, I situate this in, in being AFAB, although there might be other things like being neurodivergent, but like, yeah. I find it difficult to ask for help anyway. And so for example, a friend of mine said he was happy to help me, but then I felt weird because it was like, I felt, you know, so then on one hand, I'm thinking, oh, if, if he wanted something and I didn't have the capacity to give it, then that would be difficult. But then if, you, if when people don't want anything back, unless we've had the whole conversation about my experiences, it feels, you know, you kind of wonder when they're going to call in a favour at some point or something like that. And yeah, um, but actually, like, despite, you know, what I've said, I, like, you know, worked out how to do things on my own and kind of like self-studied like using YouTube videos so that's how I made the music for um, my album and even though like Asians of Feelings 2 the track that I'm promoting at the moment um, was uh, created like by two producers um, that was after I've done like a lot of work like from my keyboard um, so I'm really proud actually of what I have managed to achieve. Like I, you know, would like to spend more time reflecting on that and maybe sharing like some of those skills. I've actually been really surprised actually recently people had been asking me for like tech, you know, uh, for, you know, asking me questions about tech. So, yeah. I really love what you're doing with Asians Have Feelings too, because I love that you're very specific in who you're looking for to work with you and, um, I completely agree with that idea of needing to create a safe space for people who simply understand you and get it without you having to explain things. Because I feel that a lot with the EC community is finding everyone. I've been able to just relax for the very first time. And also I understand that as a cis person, I may cause harm, be it unintentional, but it does mean that I shouldn't share that space really because there are some things I simply don't understand although of course I'm willing and open to learn but I, I agree that creating a safe space for various communities and understanding those overlapping ideas of you know those intersections is so important and is absolutely missing so please please start that up. 
I hope, I hope it will happen. Maybe there is one somewhere. Maybe there is someone, some, um, some, something somewhere already as well. Yeah. I think this leads really nicely into our next question. You know, we're we're both really fascinated by the interaction between creative arts and advocacy, and in your case, particularly the use of humour. Has that always been an undercurrent in your musical practice, or is that something that has come more recently? Could you share a little about that? Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's funny, like, you know, like these questions have, have kind of, uh, and it's really helped me actually that you sent the questions in advance because uh, I'm not amazing at like spontaneously answering or rather like I've got I've had so many rich experiences that I just need you know to to kind of think about them I think that humor is a big thing for um my family I think I mean today when I'm saying family I'm mostly speaking about my mum's side of the family who I'm um, connected to um at the moment and um yeah so like I love um I love making people laugh and um I love um, spoofs and satires and uh, sketch shows. I love that kind of like channel hopping thing of like uh, sketch shows um, and um, other things for incongruence. And I think that comes from like having experienced things like gaslighting and because it's, it's like, it's kind of like transformative and it's kind of like, yeah, kind of um, transforming like these weird experiences where people are saying one thing and doing another or something like that. And I think that um, humor is um, a really great way for exploring like difficult topics. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's a really great way for communicating. So I do that via um, comics and the song lyrics in Asians Feelings too, and a few other songs as well, like kind of, um, like my personal takes on like famous songs like there's so so much that I I can't wait to share um that you know I really want to share more of that in the future as well yeah I used to grow up listening to quite a few bands I think I don't know if we overlap on music squid but I used to listen to quite a lot of grungy rocky music too so maybe okay. maybe we bumped into each other at a gig <laughs> I didn't see any I don't think I saw any um easy people so but also I don't know it was like I didn't I don't think I remember seeing any but also I wasn't looking for any it's just like maybe you know my soul was looking but I wasn't consciously looking but yeah yeah maybe I was too covered in my emo makeup for anyone to to realize and my hair over my face and everything <laughs> okay. well if you want years I was going to gigs between 19. I think I think it might have been earlier because I think emo came a bit later. So I think it was like 1996 to 1999. Okay, so I was listening to bands maybe like Weezer around that time. And okay, I, I was aware of Weezer. Okay, great. And I acknowledge that listening back on their music, they have actually very problematic lyrics in it. I used to yeah. love it growing up, but they sing about like, um, you half Japanese girls do it to me every time. And oh, I- Oh God. And oh I god I, I know I listened to that absorbing it and now when I think about it like ew come on like yeah yeah it's of its time but not great um however yeah. one of the things that Weezy used to do was their songs were really upbeat you know they're cheery pop rock songs mostly but the lyrics are actually really dark and I suppose oh you know the lyrics that weren't terrible like the one I just quoted but I feel like 
I'm drawn to that kind of music. The fact that, say, in your comics, they look quite brightly coloured and use very vivid contrasting colours in your comics. And then when you actually dig in deep and read what you've written, and also on your website, you know, the design of it is very colourful, but then you read your blog posts and they really delve into topics that made me realise a lot of things um, about, you know, the way you move in the world and I love how that interaction works because it really draws people in because you have an idea that something will uplift you but then you end up learning something and I think that's such a powerful tool that you use and I really love that because at the same time I understand and know you as someone who's EC and you bring a lot of EC joy through your work as well so thank you. I just want to say basically thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank <laughs> and like, you so much. I, like I actually, yeah, I, I, I seem to change my bio quite a lot sometimes, just like experimenting. And like I think on my Facebook um, bio, it says intersectional feminist bring joy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as opposed to kill joy. Um, yeah, like, oh, there's so much just I want to say, but, you know, because I, I was thinking, you know, we started off talking about comedy, but it links into the music thing because, like, I actually feel embarrassed to list my comedy uh, and music influences because, like, so many of them so sadly turned out to be, like, problematic that, you know, I didn't know that at the time. But I guess, like, I could even just put that as a as a preface, like, saying that I no now know that those, you know, uh, acts um, are problematic. Um but yeah, so like, but I mean, they probably were problematic, but just like in terms of like one, um, like show, like the young ones, like in terms of like the irreverence and that kind of, you know, like surreal kind of humor, but maybe also like just like living together in a house, like, you know, with um, with like different people. I think there's, um, yeah, cause I think my, my thing for that was I was coming home from Hong Kong and I was feeling a bit, kind of like weirdly homesick or something like that and so I watched like some shows like including that one and I don't know but it's, it's weird it's like a, I call it like a fake nostalgia because I think when that show came out like I was too young to have actually watched it but it it, it kind of like channels some kind of um I don't know thing about like the world that was around when I was basically yeah, that nostalgia is such a weird feeling, like the same when I watch back on things and it brings back, it evokes such strong feelings and it's very mixed, isn't it? Because it was a time when you were growing up and developing and then when you look back and you think, oh, actually, there's some things that don't sit quite right, or but it still makes me feel happy. So it's like a weird, uncanny feeling. So mm. I, I kind of feel you. But on the topic of easy joy that you bring, I really loved watching you taking part in the Asians in Britain shoot, Take Your Place. Uh, you looked amazing. What prompted you to be part of that initiative? Because I know they had an open call for people taking part. Yeah, you know what? I think I was I was really lucky to be part of that, actually. Um, so I think I, I kind of heard about Asians in Britain through, um, like, so Comediasians, who you might have heard of, um, are uh, an Asian... Um, improv group um, and I made some music for them for Rumakai. The music that I made was not very good. <laughs> I just want to say that. Like, not my best. But I was still invited to the interview that Ruma and Kai that Kai gave um, to the comedians. And so um, 
yeah like and then and then through that I kind of heard about Asians um in Britain and um was interviewed and then I was like following them and just kind of saw this thing so I think I was just like going for stuff I was just like oh I'll just apply for this it kind of sounds kind of cool um but I think I, know, I must have missed that they were like but you know as soon as they started talking about models I was like oh because it was like if, if I, I think if it twigged that you know they were looking for models or the, the word model I, I never you know would have thought of myself as a model I think it was just, I thought they wanted people to be like easy people to be in a photo shoot so it was really it was really interesting being part of that because I definitely met like a lot of easy people who I wouldn't have met like usually because maybe I'm a bit snobby maybe I'm just like you know I like talking to artists or maybe I just feel more comfortable talking to artists and queer people or that's a period of my life so it's very interesting to like meet you know people um who, who do other jobs basically um and it was like so well organized as well you know like and I really I just really love um like what Steph does and and how um she she's not actually a journalist but she's just so passionate that she like interviewed like all these people uh, and together with Chris like organized this shoot and and actually from that we're um working with Vanessa the the photographer um for like Asians of Feelings too as well yeah oh exciting that's brilliant. I love that there are collaborations born from everything that you seem to be involved with. And speaking of, you know, you've got many tentacles, and many, many pies, including zine making, composing, also an artist, improv, comedy and even poetry. And I think you might have touched upon this a little earlier um, because you talked about, you know, maybe it's to do with living with other people. And I've noticed as well in your recent comics that Mama Squid also features, which I really love seeing that you've involved family in that. Um, you know, how does the inspiration come to you for all these various, you know, amazing projects that you have not only been involved with, a part of, but also conceived? Well, the answer might be quite surprising, but it kind of makes sense. So it's basically like, um, I, uh, I guess I, I use uh, creativity and imagination um, to kind of like deal with difficult experiences. So it's like... Um, the, the art that I make is kind of like the silver lining that comes out of this tragic cloud. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I think that like, um, yeah, I think I think music and art is like amazing for emotional regulation. I think, you know, emotional regulation and the need for it, there's like a spectrum. Sometimes you might just be like, you want a little uplift or sometimes you could be like really angry and like despairing and kind of like need that art. Um, to kind of like help and um, I just wanted to like tell you about a few examples so like one example um, is this uh, DIY video that I made called My Family I don't know if you've seen it so I'm speaking in Cantonese but I didn't translate it at the time and have you seen it Amy? Not yet no. Okay um, like I, I don't know one person thought it was really funny and then one person like didn't really get it like I think I think if you have kind of like more of a British sense of humor as, as well as like maybe understanding like Cantonese like I think you'll get it um so basically dressed in my grandma's tablecloth and kind of like talking about my family as if I'm like some badass like person from like a Wong Kar Wai film like oh. and in the background you've got like Hong Kong road drilling so it, it sounds a bit violent because it sounds like I don't know like weapons or something I know um, that sound very well I, <laughs> I could, that, that was just a sound I couldn't do anything about it I didn't you know um book that or anything um 
And then like another example is just like content note for like mention of a missing person. So um, I, I wrote this song um, called Wolf Mountain um, when I uh, went to search my dad and because um, he was a missing person. And what imagination did for me was it was it kind of it helped me to cope in this like quite distressing time. And um, so basically I imagined that he was kidnapped by aliens because that story was something that I could sort of play with and also kind of imagine what he would do. I talked about him singing and making cakes and stuff like that, like in this song. So that was a really good coping mechanism. And um, Asians of Feeling too is um, um, a song that I've written um, and it came out of Corona racism. And I think it, like, yeah, like, so EC people especially um, are very aware of like the need for hashtag stop Asian hate. Um, and then queer people are really, you know, kind of like, uh, like oppressed by like the government's like um, transphobic policies and queer phobic kind of, I would call it an agenda. Like the word agenda is often pushed onto like minorities, but like there is this dominant agenda of, you know, oppressing minorities. And so like, for example, you know, like films like Safe Distance, do you know that film by J Jamie Chi, which, you know, talks about both being EC and um, LGBTIQA+. So like, yeah, so the song that I wrote, it kind of, it's a bit tongue in cheek. And I actually thought it was like more lighthearted, but like people could feel the sadness. People were like, this song is really sad. And I was like, oh no, I failed because I wanted to make it like really pop and cute. And like, I think they kind of got that, but they were like, oh, Squid, your song is so sad. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I managed to kind of get some of the emotions across as well. But no, it's, it's, I think it's it's so rare, you know, I don't know if it's maybe because I am not as um, in in touch with perhaps the EC music scene, but I, I think it's amazing that in the past year or so, I've discovered more, you know, EC musicians who are referencing their own heritage or involving like another aspect of their identity and language um, in a lot of their, you know, creative output. And I think what you were saying earlier as well, you know, that inherited um, nostalgia or that sense of nostalgia that, that you kind of feel. I wonder if this is part of um, a much wider uh, feeling amongst, you know, a lot of EC diasporas, especially from uh, people who have grown up um, with immigrant parents who have perhaps moved or emigrated from their home and therefore have retained a sense of the place um, within a fixed point in time. And all the things that you know, the, the next generation learn are obviously of um, a much older time of a place, you know, like Hong Kong, for example, um, where my parents, they moved in the 70s and 80s. So my, my awareness of Hong Kong is stuck in that time. And I wonder whether that's something that's quite a common thread, you know, amongst um, EC's diasporas um, in, in perhaps the West in, in general, and something that a lot of I've noticed creatives touch upon as well in, in their work. Yeah, I, mm, yeah, I need to think about that more. I mean, in terms of like nostalgia, I think, yeah, like, I feel like I have a thing for the 80s, but maybe that's, I, I thought it wasn't just me rediscovering, you know, like kind of me transforming 
my childhood and queering it. Um, I remember like when I first saw like um, some films by Wong Kar Wai, which I now think have also got problematic <laughs> bits. Um, uh, I I also felt this kind of like like yeah like a a kinship and as a sort of like a sense of nostalgia. Um, but also his felt like the films that I saw were a bit nostalgic as anyway. So it was like media that was also like creating that sense of nostalgia. Um, yeah. And and it's funny, yeah, because also like um on my album, the first song on there, um, Walking Through My Mind, like one of my friends pointed out that it kind of like goes a bit 60s. And I was really surprised by that because I don't listen to 60s music at all. But um my my mum um really likes these like awful like comedy programs I'm not going to mention what their names are like from like you know the 70s or early 80s that have like those kinds of theme tunes so they're like I'm still living with her so like they have and also like game shows like I'm not going to mention any names but like those those theme tunes they're like part of my (laughs) my music DNA as well um but I heard that I can't remember who it was now who said that um, someone asked, someone said, oh, your music is like um, the traditional blah, 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 whether, you know, the heritage was one. They were like, oh, that's really strange because I never listened to that, but like somehow like people might see stuff. So that's really interesting. Like I'm really interested to know what people do think of like my work basically because I haven't, <laughs> haven't managed to get like to understand how to get reviews um, properly uh like I've, I've been asking for more so that's really cool but I'm you know I'm, I'm prepared to face in the future like even if it's like a bad review I just want to know like what people think I think that I think it's really interesting what you mentioned about how those memories or those songs from your childhood or that you grew up listening to can sometimes leak into your music inadvertently And I suppose it must become quite precious to you because, you know, it's part of who you are growing up. And going back to Carly's question about how that affects diaspora, sometimes I think we obviously have a very different relationship to people who grew up in those countries. And particularly for me, you can become quite precious with certain things like, oh, this is done a certain way or this is what I feel um, is how mooncake should be for example it has lotus seed paste and stuff and you know we sometimes might criticize chefs who aren't ec who make strange flavors that we don't identify with but actually i know that several people say who grew up in hong kong or china or anywhere that makes mooncakes will say oh no yeah have any flavor you want it's fine we're not precious about it but because we have a very specific relationship with our heritage we feel protective of it and we don't want it to be messed with uh, but that might be not something that people who grew up in those countries actually feel so I'm always conscious of that when we're having those conversations and dialogues is you know it's very individual so um, yeah sorry that's what I wanted to say about that but personally Squid I yeah. think your music is amazing going back to your question of what people think about it I absolutely love it I think everyone should listen to Asians Have Feelings too and by the way I love how you come up with all these ideas and phrases and words and I was just like I want that on the t-shirt like it's brilliant oh, I'm making a list I've got like a running list like yeah I used to make t-shirts before and um I think I'm you know like now you know I can probably find somewhere where I can get 
you know, then kind of like made, I've got like, yeah, loads of ideas for t-shirts. So thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> so leading on, you know, I've long sensed and felt that the queer experience is very different for those who are Chinese or EC in comparison to non-BIPOC or white people owing to cultural nuances. It wasn't until I met other queer ECs in the past year that confirmed this. So I wondered, Squid, with all your sagely knowledge, would you have any advice for any queer, trans or non-binary EC folks out there? I've got so much, like, ideas. The first of all, I was like, oh my God, how can I give advice? I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but I'll try and pick out a few. So, um I, th- I think I, th- I think the first thing is like validation. So like, I you know I want to acknowledge that it's really challenging actually to to like be yourself um, in an environment that's hostile. Um, um, but like to to like not give up and and to believe that there are actually people out there who either feel the same or have similar experiences, um, who who might be able to help you or might be your friend. Um, and I'm just going to start by na- naming a few um, people who I think are like doing some really great work. So um, Saba Chaudhry um, is a trans activist, um, youth worker and um, author uh, who's um, written um, a book called um, Supporting Trans People of Colour. So even though this book is like aimed probably at more like allies, parents, friends and therapists, like it might be interesting um but Sabah has actually got a mental health hub on their website where people can go and um, find a range of like self-care ideas like ranging from helplines to films and things which are inclusive because like let's face it like a lot of media is just like not inclusive um and Alok v uh, Alok v Menon is um a trans uh, activist who I follow, um, who talks a lot about fashion, uh, but also about decolonizing uh, transphobia. Um, because yeah, and talking about how like um, British uh, colonialism kind of you know, really kind of like damaged like existing um, traditions of like um, transness and um, queerness. And then you've got like, yeah, another another trans activist is, is Box Fisher, whose whose t-shirt I'm wearing. So my t-shirt says non-binary finery, and this is like a Fox Fisher t-shirt, and they also do books. And then there's two organizations in the UK. There's Mermaids and Gendered Intelligence, which are both um, trans youth focused. Um, but I do believe that whatever age you are, if you're looking for information, like whether it's for yourself or for like family and friends, um, they could be really good starting points because they'll have lots of resources there and like be explaining things like clearly. Um, and um, yeah, like um, I, um, I think that if you want to meet other people, it can be quite difficult sometimes. I have to say, I've been aware that there are like more groups than there used to be for like queer people and trans uh, people, uh, young people that is. So you you could like look around for something, whether it's online or or on Zoom or something. And um, so one way of doing that is like thinking of an existing interest like so for example I like writing poetry so I joined poetry LGBT um, which was operating on zoom last year as well as like um, back to real life now Um, and the person who who runs that 
an amazing person called Andrew Leanne, also runs Adult Survivors Open Mic. Uh, I think it's also important, yeah, like sometimes people are like wondering if they're queer or trans and sometimes, you know, there can be an imposter syndrome about that. So people might not necessarily feel comfortable going into spaces, but a lot of spaces are very welcoming of like questioning people. Um, questioning about being queer or trans, not necessarily people who have questions about queer or trans people, but there are also resources for, for, for those people too. Um, and like, if you're not interested in poetry, for example, there's like trans can sport and there's like, so you can kind of like maybe search like something that you like doing, um, I don't know, um, I don't know, knitting and like trans or knitting and queer and maybe find a group and if there isn't a group that I would really encourage you to consider like making one it's like a group could even be as small as like three people like maybe start with like one friend and kind of like um maybe I think yeah it's been very hard for me but consistency I can really see it helping like with my mental health like the prospect of a meeting a few weeks away you know, it can be like a lifeline. So like, if you've got like, you know, like a monthly chat or something like that, like a little support group, that could be really cool. I really appreciated your workshop actually that you did for EC Heritage Month um, because I really enjoyed that it was creative and that you're encouraging people to explore themselves through art. And then you were posting online as well. And I'm definitely someone who's shy about doing workshops and get super nervous. So I, I completely admire how you can create those and make sure those spaces are safe, which is really cool. So thank you for doing that. And hopefully I there'll be believe, a I can't believe that you find it scary because like you are an amazing speaker and you like make so much art and everything. Like I, yeah, like I, I was quite nervous doing that actually. And yeah, it was really, I think we got um, about, so it was like over 15 pieces, like maybe about 16 pieces of work um, that said Asians of Feelings 2, which will be appearing in the music video. So, yeah. Can we have any music videos, tidbits, any teasers or what's happening at the moment with that? Oh, so we're, uh, I guess we're like basically in production at the moment, like we're rehearsing and we're going to be shooting it in um like this time in two weeks we will be on set uh basically uh and so yeah um and i'm so my co-director and um dop is darius shu uh and um i've been helped so much by my producer tua van huyn and um got these dancers uh tim and risa and um uh we have an additional dancer, Lusty Lovelace, as well. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's all happening at the moment, and we've got this like we're talking about costumes and yeah, uh, like in having so many meetings. I just made this joke last night. <laughs> My producer was like, "Oh, you you want 108 shots? That's a lot." And I was like, "No, it's not that many. It's like it's not as many as meetings. It's just like it's like if I counted how many meetings, planning meetings we've had, be like." the year 3029, I'll still be counting. <laughs> It'll be really worth it, be really worth it. Well, actually people of the future, 
Um, I'm guessing Squid would be in production right now because I think this will be released in a few weeks' time. So who knows? We might be already seeing a few bits and pieces. Follow Squid online um, on Instagram and everything. We will definitely um, tell everyone what your handles are and your website too. So make sure you follow Squid. Uh, I actually have a very important question now, and it's to do with catering, because obviously on the music shoot, you will need to keep people's energies up. So do you think you will be serving them rice or noodles if you could only choose between those two oh. foods? Uh, I, I would definitely be noodles. Like, I've <gasps> said this before, yeah. and I'll say it again. Have you said that? You can actually make noodles with rice anyway, as everyone knows. So... So therefore, should you not be rice? Because you can no, make it's noodles. noodles. It's noodles. I, I want to answer the other question, the one about the sauce. Okay. okay. Well, this is another important catering question. So let's say <gasps> you had aromatic duck as part of your catering for your production crew. Now, do you spread the sauce first or do you drizzle on after? I misread the question. I thought you meant roast duck. This is so complicated now. This is so complicated. Should I answer it as if it's aromatic duck or roast duck? Well, you know the duck and pancakes. Yeah. And then you've got your like, you've got your shredded duck, and then you've got your cucumber and your spring onions. Do you spread your sauce first, and then you put your duck and cucumber and spring onions, or do you put your duck in the pancake with the cucumbers and spring onions, and then drizzle the sauce on top? I am someone who wants to drizzle, but I spread because I don't know how to drizzle. Come come to the drizzle, drizzling crew. Spread, spread, team spread. <laughs> it's the easy thing to do. Uh, but, you know, for like, for, for roast art, because I, I saw, because I really like plum sauce and mm. I get really angry. Like I was thinking one of the things that like a ridiculous thing that makes me really angry is when we've run out of condiments. And like when, like when we're going to have roast arc and there's no plum sauce, I get really angry, get really angry. For that, I like to splurge and dunk. Oh, splurge and dunk. Okay. Now that's another question for our future guests. Would you splurge or dunk your roast duck in plum sauce? That's a good one. Thanks, Squid. We'll steal that one. And the final one, the deal oh. breaker. Actually, the deal breaker for Carly. because. <laughs> She said that she would willingly cut people off if they gave the wrong answer to this one. So oh, no. <laughs> this is about ginger. This is about ginger. So if there was a recipe that said use a thumb sized piece of ginger, would you use the size of your entire thumb? So length from the top of your thumb to your knuckle or just the tip of your thumb, just the top? before the joint, that top bit. <laughs> I thought you were really nice people until now. Are you gonna like cut me out of the Zoom chat? <laughs> yeah, just end it right now. <laughs> okay, my answer to this is just a question. It's like, what is a recipe? <laughs> oh. Well, what I was cooking for Carly at the time, this for Raw emerged was laxa. Okay. Um, I, I just tend to over garlic and ginger everything like I usually put six times as much garlic as you need and it's probably because I don't I don't follow recipes I don't like recipe I just put in as much as I feel like sometimes okay. I'm like oh this part of ginger looks like it wants to go in my meal I don't really want to <laughs> ginger like that I don't know where that's <laughs> 
Okay, I'll, I can accept that. I can accept that. Are you a more ginger than last person then? Well, I'll be very honest. Up until last week, I had a life-changing moment where I realized that thumb-sized ginger, not everyone did the same as me, which I would do from the tip of my thumb to like the joint, you know, like where you do yeah. a, a thumbprint. But according to a few people on Instagram, it turns out a thumb-sized ginger, people put their entire thumb, so from the top to where it joins to your palm. Yeah, but also ginger is never that small. Like, I don't know, you'd, you'd have to cut it and then cut it again in half, and then you'd have like this, I don't understand the... the this was know? meant to be a safe space. I'm oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> You're very entitled to, like, to, to work with your ginger in the way that feels right to you. This is like ginger equity. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's very important to note that a majority of the people who chose whole thumb were very well-renowned chefs who we know. So, Well, um, hold on. There were a few that were some interesting surprises. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I liked my favorite answer was from Hung, which is a name's Mrs. Hung Black on Instagram. But she said, cook from the heart whatever you feel and I think that's the most diplomatic answer <laughs> that's true but what if you had different size thumbs this is true this is what the cookbook author whose cookbook I was kicking from also said um she told me that her thumb is particularly small so again very contentious issue here <laughs> I've never been asked that question before and I'll probably never be asked that question again so <laughs> your experiences with BC <laughs> I know the most tense conversations we have are around food. So, yeah, sorry about that, Squid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up for us. I thought that was a really good conversation. Thank you, Squid, so much for coming on. We appreciate yeah. you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It's been lovely speaking. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I really enjoyed speaking to Squid there. I think just the amount of resources that he was able to give and just hearing about his experiences and the variety of projects he has on. I think it was really incredible and extremely motivational, actually. How did you feel, Amy? Yeah, I really felt like he was including us, adding us, inviting us into his dimension. And it really does <laughs> feel like that. Like, well, you know, when you go to his website, it is so full of information. Mm. And it is right, he is interdisciplinary because he does so many things like comics and music and stuff. It's actually hard to get my head around how he can produce so much. Yeah. But also, I just really find the way that he talks about various things in his life just so clear. Like, I think at first it can feel like, whoa, there's so much here. But once you start digging into it, there's so much there. And so, yeah, I really appreciated all the information and insight that they gave us and now I'm looking forward to seeing the music video it looks really exciting mm -hmm. I definitely recommend everyone follow Squid um, they are at the Mollusk Dimension on Instagram and you can also follow us if you wish uh, we are BC that's b-e-s-e-a dot n on Instagram and on Twitter it's exactly the same except there's an underscore instead of a dot so it's at b-e-s-e-a underscore n on Twitter 
Yep. And if you like the content that we produce and you would like to buy us a bowl of rice, you can support us on coffee. So that's ko-fi.com forward slash be seen. That's B-E-S-E-A-N. We really appreciate your support. Uh, we run on donations entirely. So yeah, if you like um, what you hear, you like what you see, give us a wee bowl of rice. Give us your money. Uh, <laughs> and of course, if you are excited about EC Heritage Month coming up 2022, uh, please jump onto our website. That's www.bc.co.uk. You'll find all the information there, including the link to the petition. We are trying to get it nationally recognised. We want people at the top government level to be like, join EC Heritage Month. It's a real thing. We want to spread it nationwide. It's going to be massive. So please be part of that movement. I think it could go beyond nationwide. I think it could be a huge international recognition uh, of EC heritage and a celebration around that. So, you know, no dream is too big, right? Oh, my manifestation tingles are tingling. (laughs) (laughs) We know what magic you can work. So go quick, manifest this, please. Okay, okay, I'm going to make it happen. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Why do family, friends and strangers tell us we're not Asian enough? Do you colonize our airwaves? Tell me your story too. This moment is history too. This song is Why can't I just be myself? Be myself.